2: Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, it's Joe Suchere and Patrick Roycey with Sports Talk. And good
3: afternoon. Thursday afternoon, it is 3 o'clock, 3.03 to be exact, along with Chris Reavers and Manny Hill. I'm Pete Wagner. Not exactly Roycey and Souchere, but we'll do our best over the next three hours, guys. There's so much to talk about. That's the beauty of holiday week. Uh, Coles and I
4: were just talking about this. I love working this week because, you know, we're light on personnel, but there's always stuff going
3: on this time of the year. Well, it's, it's lighting up like a Christmas tree, no question. So you know, we're sitting here uh, looking around what's going on in the sports world. And uh, first of all, over the next three hours, we're going to have a lot to talk about. But uh, obviously the big news that's hitting us out there is uh, Miguel Sano. Yeah. You know, at first it was, you know, Judd wrote a nice piece on uh, ESPN, 1500ESPN.com about his trade value, uh, looking at some things out there about what are they going to do with him and uh, so forth and so on. And uh, people saying, well, you're going to trade him they're talk about the weight issues and, and all the other things that surround him. And now it comes down, it comes out today, recently, that there's now some sexual assault uh, charges on him. Uh, that have been levied. And then there have been, Chris, some things that have popped out out there that aren't necessarily very complimentary from former teammate uh, Trevor Plouffe, who came to the accuser's uh, aid there, as mm-hmm. did current teammate uh, 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 Trevor May. What's going on? Uh, I'll read the story for those that might not be familiar.
4: A Minnesota sports photographer with a presence in the while at Target Field has accused Minnesota Twins third baseman Miguel Sanoa of sexual assault. Betsy Bisson, who has done photography work for the online publication Twins Daily, uh, says she frequently shoots player autograph events. Posted to Twitter today, that Sano assaulted her after one such event at a local mall. She writes that Sano flirted with her during the signing and then later attempted to forcibly pull her by the wrist. ...into a restroom while trying to kiss her. She said she resisted and screamed, but that nobody came to help. She wrote that he gave up after a solid 10 minutes of fighting to pull me through that door. No, he didn't rape me, but he sure did assault me, she wrote... Uh, Bisson tweeted later the alleged incident occurred in 2015. Sinoa denies the allegations today according to his agent uh of uh, his agent Rock Nation saying that quote it never happened I unequivocally deny the allegation made against me today it never happened I have the utmost respect for women especially those working in professional sports and I deeply sympathize with anyone who has experienced sexual harassment there is no place for it in our society. Bisson wrote at the top of the Twitter post that this is not easy for me to share, but I feel I need to share it. This is my story, followed by the hashtag MeToo. Bisson declined to comment for the story. The Twins issued a a statement this afternoon. Uh, Today, the Minnesota Twins were made aware of allegations involving Miguel Sano at an offset appearance during the 2015 season. The Twins, along with Major League Baseball, take these allegations very seriously. Until more information is gathered, the Twins will have no further
3: comment. So the takeaway there from what you hear is you've got a respected uh, photojournalist who held off for a few years and uh, now felt comfortable enough to bring this forward. It mm-hmm. apparently happened. You know, we asked her to shop. I mean, it was, there's there was something right. mentioned in there in the story. And then things uh, went from there. The part, Chris, that's got me kind of thinking is you've got a player agent that was there for that uh, photo that shoot. Was present. And that was I mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So now you're going to have all sorts of things, you know, two people that are going to have to speak to that.
4: And as you mentioned, Trevor Plouffe said, "I'm so sorry about this. I understand why." In re- in reference to Betsy Bisson's post on Twitter, Trevor Plouffe, former Twins third baseman, said, "I'm so sorry about this. I understand why you didn't, but I wish you would have come to me, feeling you know a sense of, I'm sure, a sense of guilt that that she had to keep this story in hiding for so- for
3: some time." Isn't that interesting, though? Uh, there must be uh, some sort of uh, professional relationship there. Now you think that that would be something that I you know he he would say to her off the record or sure. uh, you know but that's a very public statement. Yeah, and when it's uh, when it's posted like that on social media, it's yeah. there for everyone to take. Yeah. So you're not afraid of what you're writing, and uh, are you saying perhaps out loud that you know this is something I'm not surprised about? Has this happening? What's going on? Well, the 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 part that
4: you know because I've been following this on social media, oddly enough, but the part that everybody's jumping to a conclusion right away, whether you're it, it, Joe, Joe describes this best. He has a rule. We got to wait 48 hours. We got to let, we we got to wait till we get all the information out there before any of us, us included makes an accusation or or sides with someone because uh, granted she put it out there. She's got her story. We have to take it at face value. He obviously, this is this is a free country, he has the right to, 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 to tell his side of the story, but everybody's jumping, and she is getting filleted by, I don't know if it's really? Twins fans or whatever, and I, I'm thinking, people, calm down, take a breath here, don't just you know, run and, and be critical of this woman who, and she's even said in her story, I have nothing to gain from this. She's like, I'm just telling my story because I've been living with this for a couple of years now, and, and then there's the, why'd you wait so long? Well, you can't. Accuse somebody of waiting, no, no matter what the length of time is, every person has a right to deal with whatever story they want to at whatever time frame that they choose to.
3: Well, and you do need to allow it to marinate for 48 hours, yeah. right? But it really is okay to say, what does this mean? You know, it, it doesn't mean you're drawing conclusions off it, but it's okay to ask some questions. Uh, but what, to your point, Chris, um, anytime someone comes forward with a story, There is no right or wrong time. Mm -hmm. It's dependent upon when you're comfortable with it, and if now is the time, now is the time.
4: And the twins, I think, will do like they they did issue a statement, and obviously they're going to go through every protocol that they need to, along with Major League Baseball, like they stated before. Because I know that this was a big part of the 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 most recent um, uh, CBA that they, as all sports, kind of have uh, have done is they've 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 enhanced their. allegation whatever you want to call it they, they, they've enhanced that part of their collective bargain agreement to take stories like this very seriously and go through every single pro- protocol that they need to
3: well indeed they do and manny you and i were talking a little bit about this and we're going to hear from brandon warren from the athletic zone coverage as well a little bit later on he'll be on uh up toward the five o'clock uh hour when we, we speak to him but there's already been some trade uh, discussions or there's been some rumblings. Doogie here at uh, at uh, the Hubbard uh, Group and, of, of course, with 1500ESPN.com was was mentioning about how there have been some feelers out there uh, for his trade value. This certainly can't help, along with the injury issues, along with the weight.
1: No, it, it can't. And, you know, I mean, obviously this particular situation is – certainly an, an entirely different sort of um circumstance i guess if you wanna call it um from you know him showing up at spring training you know weighing a certain amount or being out of shape or all this other stuff that's been reported on him uh in in the past but it it's man it's it's just a really 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 tough situation, and um I don't know man it it's just uh it it's it's unfortunate that regardless of whatever happened it's it's just unfortunate that these things are happening and and again i i don't i don't i'm not going to pick a side here or you know really you know decide who i believe or anything on on this matter cuz it's just like uh you know, like, like Sutra said, wait forty eight hours. But it, it's just a really, really, really unfortunate. And it's reflective
4: situation. too on twenty seventeen in that everybody wants an instant answer. Everybody yeah. wants oh, to have course. resolution yeah. right away, where we don't have the patience or the time anymore to just let let, you know, the the legal process take its course. Where that's what needs to happen here, ladies and gentlemen. We gotta yeah. we gotta calm down. We're not gonna have an answer in the next 15 minutes it but does, unfortunately it that's help. the world that we live in today
3: and it doesn't help when you have uh, former teammates and current teammates jumping into that right no. now instant gratification social media sphere Making statements that, that are supportive or not supportive, whatever they are, I mean, that, that just adds fuel to the fire. And that mm-hmm. is the the world we live in today and, and how it all works. There was one final thing here before we take the break, guys. Uh, the, around these parts, and I won't uh, reveal the source, it was believed that he was moved to the outfield a couple of years ago because they wanted to keep him moving, and that weight was an issue, and it's always been an issue with that team. We're going to get into that deeper with Brandon a little bit later on, so uh, time for a break, Chris. Let's do that real quick. When we come back, it's going to be Danny Hendrickson from the State of Hockey, as we have plenty to talk about right here on 1500 ESPN. You know what? This might have been the last, in my opinion, Chris, good Van Halen song written. You're not a tattoo guy. I'm not. Okay. I, I mean, I guess 5150 is fine, but it was just, you know. I mean, I guess I'm a David Lee Roth vintage. <laughs> I still am. Well, you're not alone in that. That's for you sure. know what I mean. But I do, I do appreciate the different versions. The Gary Sharon version was the worst. <laughs> Remember that one? Oh, I do. That he was, was pretty screaming bad. on every song. That was pretty bad. It was rough, of course, from extreme more than. Birds, Okay, how about that? Uh, we're going to shift gears here. Uh, opened up heavy on Miguel Sano there. We'll probably pick that back up over the course of the next few hours here into this program. But uh, we're happy to bring on the State of Hockey's Danny Hendrickson. Uh, who, of course, is a former Golden Gopher, one of the other brothers, of course, Darby Hendrickson. We need to uh, give no uh, more further intro to that. Uh, Danny, I know you're on location. Good to hear from you, buddy. How are you?
5: Wags. Wags. I, I wish I was in the studio. I want to be at Harvard with you. It's more fun jamming to the music. It is. And you know what?
3: Your chair is empty right now. And uh, Gino Parrish, one of the other halves of the other brothers, is empty now. Of course, we're referring to our On the Ice radio show that we do on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. And uh, uh, Danny and I also do a lot of work with thestateofhockey.com. Check everything out there. We've got a program that's going to be airing uh, live today. I'll be in two places at once somehow. (laughs) At four.
5: Yeah, but you got to wait
3: till six after Wax is done. Yeah, well, somehow I've been cloned, man. I don't know how that's going to work. So, uh, but but we've got that. And, you know, you and Gino have been doing some really good stuff with your other brothers. And uh, one of the things that we're doing is with with the high school hockey scene, it's so fun to get out there. There's great crowds. The kids are passionate. It's community based. And you guys really get out there. You pick a place each week and uh, you have a great time with some of the students in the student section. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing with your segments?
5: Sure. Well, obviously, we kind of came up with this together, but uh, so we're coming up with a, a high school hockey weekly show. Obviously, like you said, it's on stateofhockey.com. Uh, you can watch past episodes before, but of course, we're going to highlight the great players. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, we've got the, top, the Let's Play Hockey top five teams. We've got the plays for the week. We've got all these great hockey players, but Gino and I are running around uh, the state of Minnesota, and we're focusing in on the fans. Who's got the craziest fans? We're not going to crown anybody yet, but uh, we're we're going to we're going to listen to people and find out who's the craziest, and then go out there and videotape them and uh, interview them just like their players and talk about you know what it's like to be a fan. So it's really fun. It's kind of silly, but uh, it's just kind of this: uh, just who can show the most school spirit, and who can get behind their club, and who can have the most fun. Well,
3: then, then of course, you're, uh each week you were at uh, Creighton Durham Hall this past weekend. And you we know, were. I have to tell you, these guys get better every week. That was a, this is a good one.
5: I'm excited to see it. It's uh, it's, funny. it's all about it's all about producers and editors, which you don't. So you know, so, uh, Gino, Gino and I are silly enough to give you some give you some uh, give you some something to go with. And uh, you, yeah, I, I'm excited to see you. It, you
3: know what editors and producers are?
5: Awesome artists exactly it's exactly. art exactly uh yeah it is art you know, had a terrific
3: chirp on the Udina bus with their hornet pride trailer yeah you, you jumped all over that like a cheap suit and, yeah. and it was and then and then you had the police escort which you thought was a little much too well that was you uh, thought it was, was, air was air force one you said air force yeah. one wasn't available yeah.
5: There was a photo of uh, the Edina bus with the great trailer, the hornet uh, on the back, and then there was a cop behind it. So we acted mm, like they were getting the police escort, like they're too scared to drive home from St. Paul by themselves. Well, I mean, we, we chirped it, and I will did. say that you, you know, you know that I love Edina and love people from Edina. We edited any Edina, couldn't love Edina more. But it's just so fun to, to they're just to such an easy target every time. so many times. Oh, for sure. Bus they're absolutely
3: yeah. required they're like food it's yeah. daily food yeah. without it what else is there
5: yeah right. And, and yeah, absolutely so I think people are for me, dying after the most kind of enjoy it too. so it's just all good fun
3: so we like to we pump these shows out once a week they usually air on Tuesdays at 4 due to Christmas falling on Monday uh, we're doing it Thursday today at 4, and then you'll see it again next week, Thursday at 4. Uh, among other things, we do some live streaming, and uh, we've got three great games next week. Centennial at Maple Grove, uh, Duluth East at Stillwater, and uh, Moorhead will be at Wyzetta. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And, you know, you've been uh, you've been away from the game. Uh, you played professionally, uh, and you also played for the Golden Gophers. We're a Richfield Spartan. Getting back to the rinks, uh, what's the one thing, Danny, that that you're gathering from from what you're watching, as far as you know, not only from the fan interaction perspective, but but the play, the level of play? What are your thoughts there?
5: Well, I just start by saying I, I have been away from the game competitively, but I was just outside in Grand Lake here near Saint Cloud, shoveling a rink. I'm watching my girls out a window right now skating around, so I'm still so around. I love it just as much as I ever had. And talking about the fans, I feel like. You know, people, especially in this in this new age of media, have got even more creative, and, 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 it, and it's expected to be a little crazy. So, I just think it's so neat, especially hockey. All sports are cool, but especially hockey in Minnesota. How much the whole community and, and all the other students just kind of rally around their team, and everyone's so excited uh, for the game. So, it's just it's kind of neat to be a part of. And obviously, we're on the outside, but we get to feel it a little bit. And uh, it's just a, it's just a fun, neat thing to be a part of.
3: What are, you, what are your thoughts from the perspective of um, having having played with Darby at Richfield, your brother? Th- there's not a lot of opportunities where, 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 where players or where people get to play with siblings like that, and uh, you guys were very dynamic together. W- what was that experience like, and is it still stuff that you guys talk about?
5: For sure. I just shared a room with him on, on a wild trip uh, last weekend. And it was We shared a room for 16 years, but, uh, you know, it was – It was was the coolest brother to have because growing up in Richfield, I thought I was, you know, not very good uh, because you're always competing against Darby. But uh, nonetheless, we always played ball hockey, pond hockey, just like everybody did in our era. Uh, But uh, being able to play with them in high school was one of the coolest things I've ever done. Uh, We got to make the state tournament. Uh, Yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, I think it's everybody's dream. I mean, I think people say NHL, but to make it to the tourney is... One of the coolest things in the world. Yeah,
3: you and know, I don't mean for you to speak for Darby, but uh, would he say the same oh, thing? Yeah, would he say the same?
5: He would. He would. And you know what? He's he's such a professional. It depends on what show he was on. So if he was on this show, he'd say for sure. Especially if I was on. But I'm sure his run in 2003 with the Wild is pretty special oh, it was too. Pretty but awesome. Yeah, but it's hard to not think that high school is not as fun as any time of your life.
3: What was that trip to Florida like? Obviously, your brother being an assistant coach, so mentors or siblings went there. For the players, it was fathers. What kind of bond you know bonding went on with, with all of those guys, and, and, and what was the weekend like?
5: Yeah, it was super cool. So we spent three days in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, the Panthers Arena is somewhere near there. I can't figure out quite where it is. but So you're at a beach town for three days. Uh, you're out with the team. I mean, you get to meet the other coaches, uh, Chuck Fletcher, everybody. It's first class, so it's... Uh, you're staying at nicer hotels than you used to, but there's. I think there's a. It's it's really special for the dads, you know, especially for the brothers. Uh, uh, you know, a handful of guys bred brothers, but that was cool too. But to, to see the dads and how proud they were of their sons, and to watch them, you know, sit next to them and talk to them, and they've all got similar stories, but they're all unique too. So, both being with the dads and watching them just going like, "Yep, my kid made it." Who knows how? And the one thing that I thought was weird was that I talked to their dads and I'm like, "So did you?" You know, did you have some perfect formula in every single dad? Like, you know what? I really didn't do anything. Like, he kind of, he kind of did it all himself, and of course, he helped him a little bit. But everyone had the same story where that they were not overly pushed, and that was kind of one thing that I was like, "That's that's interesting."
3: How about the legend Terry Cullen? I think I saw a picture on Wild dot com with 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 he and Matt.
5: Yeah, and you oh, know, yeah. Matt Matt's
3: like sixty. Right? Yeah. I mean he's so he's, he's he's a fossil. I mean the guy is old. Yeah. He makes Gordie Howe look like a hack, right? now the guy is old for the NHL. What is he, forty one now? Going whatever I, you know, 40...
5: he's about my age, yeah.
3: But Terry, I mean the gene pool there, man, they just robbed it because Terry must be what mid sixties, seventy, looking great.
5: He looked fantastic. I did see him and Matt sitting by the pool and uh he's, yeah, they both are in yeah. great shape. Terry's they probably still cut. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they both got such great attitudes, too. I think they both, you know, I mean, there's two people. I, they were walking by. I'm like, how many games played and how many games coached in that family?
3: It's incredible. So, I mean, Thousands. A couple
5: million. Yeah, yeah exactly.
3: absolutely. Uh, class X there. Danny, we got to cut you loose, and uh, I'll be in touch with you very soon.
5: Hey, Wags! thanks for getting me on. Best Uh, in the business. Love having you.
3: (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it, as are you. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Danny Hendrickson. He is from thestateofhockey.com. Check out his stuff streaming live and online. When we come back, we're going to talk wild with Dane Mizutani. He's the St. Paul Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com beat writer for the Minnesota Wild right after this.
4: And we're going to now head out east and get the Your Money Now report. Excuse It comes to us from our friends down in Owatonna, Minnesota, at Federated Insurance. From the Wall Street Journal, here is Bruce Vale
6: with your money now. And stocks were higher at the close of a fairly quiet trading session. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, though, did move to a fresh record high. The Dow gained 63 points to close at 24,837. The Nasdaq Composite rose 10 points. The S&P 500 gained 4 and is close to a record high. If we get a nice rally tomorrow, all three indexes may end the year at record closes. In In the wake of President Trump's move to pull the U.S. from the Trans-Pacific Partnership and renegotiate NAFTA, Cargill is pushing back. The commodities giant has launched a new Fed by trade website and is enlisting its own workforce to tell stories of how they all depend on international trade for their livelihoods. A new survey shows Minneapolis is the second most expensive destination in the Midwest for New Year's Eve. Hotels.org did the survey, looking at the cheapest available room rates at centrally located hotels with at least three-star ratings. At a rate of $259 for the cheapest available double room, Minneapolis trails only Detroit, where the rate is $359. I'm Bruce Bale with your money now on 1500 ESPN. Hey, Bruce. Yes? See you tomorrow. I'll be here. Alright, thank you.
3: Welcome back once again to Sports Talk. Pete Wagner in for Patrick Royce. right here on 1500 ESPN along with Chris Reavers and Manny Hill. We've got a full slate of Sports Talk we're going to downship now into Wild Talk as we're going to be joined by the St. Paul Pioneer Press, TwinCities.com's very own Dane Mizutani. And uh, we, we uh, say good afternoon to you, Dane. Uh, how about that wild win last night? We're talking about this being the start of the second half, if you can believe that already. As they say, according to Charlie Coyle, there's no more time to waste. Yeah.
0: Uh, thanks for having me on, Pete. You bet. Thanks but for being here. It's like, like Bruce Boudreau said last night, I mean, they had a kind of a bad front nine, and he likened it to a round of golf. The Wild had a bad front nine, but they can still make it up on the back nine. Um, so it's the unofficial start of the second half. The official start of the second half doesn't start for a few more games here. Um, but the Wild know they have to kind of start getting things rolling here. Uh, going into that the Christmas break, losing four or five, that wasn't good. And, and I guess last night just was kind of what they hoped would be a start or something good. With, with the 4-2 win over Dallas, um, essentially a four-point game last night. If they would have lost, they would have been out six points uh, with Dallas in the first wild-card spot. Now they pull within two. Uh, if the season ends today, they would be in the playoffs with Anaheim losing last night. So 41 points. Still haven't had their full roster. Uh, they've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves, and a guy named Zach Carisi is coming back um, to the team in a, in a few weeks here. So yeah, uh, things are looking up, I guess you could say, it for them, but uh, they got to keep things rolling with Nashville coming up.
3: There's plenty of uptick there for them to say, and you know, they, they've, they've teetered in and out of those seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 spots. It's, it's just been so tight. There's a little bit of separation up top when you look at Nashville leading the way. Their opponent, they'll be at Nashville on Saturday, Nashville, 49 points. Winnipeg with 48 and St. Louis with 48. By the way, uh, my good friend Doug Armstrong with a contract extension. I think he got five years with a, a, a possible sixth option there. So congratulations to him. But nonetheless, there's a little bit of separation between those three teams and then the uh, the two teams in the wildcard slot, which are Dallas and Minnesota. Um, your opinion uh, from that perspective, do you see those teams maintaining the tempo and pace they have among the top three teams in the Central? and Dallas yeah, and Minnesota duking it out with the rest.
0: I think so. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard for at least Minnesota I think to catch those three teams that are leading right now. I could see a team like Dallas maybe overtaking a Winnipeg if, you know, Mark Sipleys out for 6 to 8 weeks. Uh, that could, that could really put a damper on what they've been doing up there in Winnipeg. Um, but the other two teams, Nashville is a legitimate Stanley Cup contender again this year. And in St. Louis, um, they're battling some injuries right now, but they're they're solid. So it's going to be tough for them. And and you look at what the Wild are battling against; it'll be with the Stars, with the Anaheim Ducks, with the Chicago Blackhawks, all for their that that those two wild card spots, and the Calgary Flames in there. Even I mean, it it it's going to be tough for them right now um, with just the sheer teams that they're battling for with those final two spots. So I don't see them uh, overtaking anybody in the top three in the central right now. So I think the way you're going to see it the rest of the year is them battling for one of those two wildcard spots.
3: Interestingly enough, Chicago is one of those teams that are in the battle for the wildcard slot, and Corey Crawford was just put on the uh, injured reserve list with an injury. Uh, That can't bode well for the Hawks because he's very critical to their success.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like with Corey Crawford getting injured in Chicago and and certain guys getting injured in St. Louis. I mean, and Mark Shifley getting injured in Winnipeg. You're starting to see the injury bug catch up to some of these teams in the central division. The Wild have been kind of dealing with it all year uh, with certain guys missing time. Zach Friese, obviously, the most notable. Um, but Devin Dubnik, too, has been out for a, a few weeks here now. Um, Alex Stalock filling in pretty well in his place. And, and I think it looks, sounds like we're going to get Dubnik back at some point this weekend. Um, but that's kind of the way it goes. I mean, you see a lot of these teams dealing with these injuries, and the Wild know firsthand what the, what that can do to a season. So you mentioned Chicago. Um, obviously, they have some guys on that team that, that have some experience. That I, I, Corey Crawford is out, and definitely, I think there are some guys that are going to be able to pick up the slack offensively there. Um, but certainly, the backstop there—that's that's not a good sign for them. Just with everything he brings to that team. Um, so we'll see. I mean, maybe there's an opportunity here if the Wild can get hot, maybe put a little run together to maybe create some space, um, at least from the Blackhawks.
3: With the injuries the Wild have had, you mentioned that they've never really had their full lineup from the very beginning of the season. It's it's just been one after the other. Zach Parisi has been uh, slowly nursing his way back after his uh, back surgery, and it sounds like now he's headed down to uh, Des Moines to play with the Iowa Wild for a couple of tune-up games. You've been able to watch him closely in practice. Uh, You know how he starts and stops and how he plays with a verve like no other. Do you Mm -hmm. think he's going to be able to be at his full level potential within a few games here, or is this going to be a slow process for him?
0: I think it'll be a slow build um, for Zach. I mean, we're going down to watch him tonight, Um, so it'll be interesting to see him in in full contact, in live action. Watching him in practice, obviously, is going to be a lot different than watching him in a full game. I think it's been 250 days since he's played in, a, in an actual game. So uh, just seeing how he's able to kind of take contact, you know, throw into the corners. He said days after his surgery that he's, I mean, that he's not going to change the way he plays. And Zach can't change the way he plays, or he's, he's not an effective player. I mean, he has to play that certain way. That's who they find him to be. And and if he's not playing that way, then, then that's not the player they find him to be. So just looking at what he's, going to need to do. The Wild need him to continue to play that way, and I do think it'll take some time to get there. Um, But this this rehab stint in Iowa will be a good test, I guess a good barometer to see how how he looks, how he feels afterwards, and um, I guess after this game, maybe he'll get a better idea, and then we'll get a better idea of of when he'll actually be back.
3: Boy, that's a whole program within itself, a discussion about a player that you sign to the contract that you do that is the player that he is and executes the way he does. Um, if he yeah. can't do what you signed him to do, and you have lots of term left on his contract, what does that mean?
0: I don't know what it means. I
3: mean, we're
0: only halfway through this contract. So oh. if he's if he's not who he was signed up to be for, you know, at this point, it could be kind of tough sledding for the Wild moving on. Um, but I think they're just kind of hopeful that, that he's going to work his way back. Um, it's a, He's been dealing with this lingering back injury, you know, since he missed the playoffs a couple years ago. So I think getting this surgery, they hope, is something that can you know, maybe put an, a, an end to this once and for all, um, and, and then he can kind of get back to playing the way he can. Um, but yeah, I agree. If they, if he's not 100 percent for this this contract, it could cripple the team because I mean he's is, he's on yeah. the flux for for quite some time.
3: Well, you know, it's tricky because when you sign a player like that you sign a player that plays that style along with that comes the body that will break down you know it's almost like uh if you if you want to drive a formula one car right that's a little bit more for you know just long distance you know endurance and just you know hitting the oval or if you have like the nascar which is going to get, you know, pounded on on the uh, bull ring of a Bristol or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's not going to last as long. But you know that's going to happen when you take that. But it's it's something. It's a risk. I think when you do it at the time, given where this team was at, they didn't really have a choice because those stands were pretty empty at the time, and Craig Leopold had to do something.
0: Yeah, and, and looking back at those two signings, I mean, hindsight's obviously 2020, but uh, at the time. Those two are the, the marquee guys, the best two guys on the market, and the Wild got them. So everyone is feeling great. And, and, and obviously, if you knew Jack was going to break down, maybe there's, there's decisions that other different decisions that would have been made. But that's easy to say now five years down the road. Uh, at the time, I think that was the right move. Everyone I've talked to kind of says that, I mean, they didn't really have a choice. What were they going to do, not sign them? Um, it was a good move. To get the top two guys at the time. Uh, they made a big splash. They got into the playoffs, which we've seen in the NHL. Sometimes that can be enough. You just get to the playoffs and then you get hot. So, I mean, they've done that the past five years. They're hoping for six um, to be tough this year to have a belt. So we'll see how he, how he comes back. With, if they're going to make their playoff push, which the players have talked about, the fact that it has to start now. Um, Zach Brizzi is going to have to be a big part of
3: that. Well, I always say talk is cheap, boys. Back it up. Uh, hey, drive safe. Are you almost to Des Moines?
0: Uh, about an hour out. So okay. Well, we'll see. The roads are getting better.
3: Okay. Well, finally, an hour out. Good for you. Be safe on your way back, buddy. Uh, we'll be in touch soon, all right? All right. Thanks, Pete. That was Dane Mizutani from the St. Paul Pioneer Press in TwinCities.com. Pete Wagner in for Patrick Royce on Sports Talk right here on 1500 ESPN. Be back to sports talk. Pete Wagner in for Patrick Royce here on fifteen hundred ESPN. Joined once again by two pros. We're talking about Chris Reavers and Manny Hill guys. Oh, uh, I was wondering who you're bringing in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, we're too, pros some of the time. Too wise. legit. Pros. Not really. Well, come on. No that's
3: willing
4: to work during the holidays. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Right? Uh, do you
3: get time and a half for that?
4: No, no, no. We, no. we get the assurance of uh, carrying the company
3: Absolutely. while everybody else is enjoying vacation. Your back is starting to buckle. The you way, know the, it's way get, the world is on sore. your shoulders. It is isn't getting it? a little sore. <laughs> it really, it really is. Manny, are you doing better? You had a
1: tough afternoon today. Uh, yeah, I had to uh, replace the battery in my car. Oh no!
3: Just freezing too, weren't you? Yeah, it oh. wasn't fun. That uh, wasn't fun. Did, did that happen at your home, or were you uh, mobile when this breakdown occurred?
1: Uh, I was mobile and uh, i was able to get some help for it and uh replace the battery and uh it's all good now so did you Say have your goodness.
3: emergency roadside kit with the blankets and the extra hats and all that stuff they tell you to have no no i'm, Why not, would I'm you? not i'm
1: not i'm not i'm not
3: that I'm smart. i'm not either i never wear gloves either my hands are just a disaster <laughs> they're like one big crack yeah. right now i mean i keep the uh the, the what is that uh the uh, lotion hand cream stuff in 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 stock in business cuz gloves you just lose them
1: yeah, I've, I've probably gone through about six or seven pairs of gloves in the last two years, See? probably.
3: I'm right with you there. A <laughs> uh, couple things I wanted to mention about the Wild, but Dane, before we took the break, and you know, we talked about Zach Parisi and his injuries, and you know, it's part of the game when you bring a guy like that in, but one of the things, Eric Stahl has been quietly a huge pickup for the Wild over the yeah. past two years. He had a rough year before he came here, and when he— culminated in New York with the Rangers for a couple of games at the trade deadline it was like oof and and now uh you know again he's 32 points in 37 games uh he i don't know if he gets enough credit uh people kind of you know you just sorta, he just sort of he sort of does his thing the goal that he scored last night yeah. was such
4: a veteran move in that you know he he went to the backhand And you almost want to think that he deliberately shot it off the other team, the other guy's skate, and then it went in. It was just, it was a very savvy move, I thought, when you watch the replay of it. Because in real time, you thought, oh, God, what a great pass. And then when you saw the replay, oh, it went off the defender's skate. I just thought I just thought it was a great play
3: I love the big center I spend the six three guys like he and koivu uh the the bigger you are down the middle the stronger you are in the defensive yep. zone and I just like all of that and I think it's incredible one thing from last night's game I don't know if you guys caught that did you see much of it or did you oh, see? Yeah. okay yeah. did you see that goal sagan uh fires the puck off the end boards that's a pass with a perfect angle to the man on the back door, I just laughed. That, that I don't know if you recall that, but that was on purpose. You think so? Absolutely. Really? Okay. Absolutely. He 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 had a perfect angle off it. I said he did that on purpose. Okay. He's that type of player, and and those are the things where if you catch it and you see it. That's like art. It was well, That's
4: why those guys are at such a different level than, than everybody else. They're the best players in the world for a reason. I guess I, I I didn't look at it that way, but now that you mention it, he probably did do that on purpose. It was Ooh.
3: impressive. Yeah. Absolutely. So th- those are the things that, that you appreciate. And one of the things about this team, um, other than last year, that, that's been from a, a an observer, fan, whatever you want to call it, perspective, is it's always been this just battle. To get into the playoffs fighting for six seven eight ninth seed in the west yeah if you go all the way down to the 14th place team in the west they're all within five or six points of a wild card you could have a rough week and be in trouble so i i this is no rest for the weary for wild fans but if you get in in the eighth slot, it's not like the NBA where you're buried and swept out of there. I mean, mm-hmm. eighth seeded yeah. teams have won the cup. There's it, no, there's
1: no Golden State in the, uh, in no. the NHL right now. No, was not Nashville an eighth seed last year? I thought they were like a. They were a, wild, six maybe. a wild, were They no, okay. okay. were card. They're
3: a wild card team. Yeah,
4: they they're were seven or eight. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what no, I thought okay. last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but but that's just it, and that's why you know the the parity of the league is, I think, what a lot of people. Don't think it's good for the game. I think it's great for the game. I mean, to be honest, I mean, there's there's such a slim margin of error. I mean, yeah, you have your superstars in the league that can single-handedly make the difference. You know, look at look at Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah. last year their coach almost got fired, and now they're the best team in the league right now. That I I think it's actually good for hockey to have that kind of parity. You're gonna have your your bad teams, whether it's I don't know, who know, is it right now, Phoenix. I have no idea who the worst team in the NHL is Phoenix. currently. Okay,
3: yeah. but that's why I, I think that that's actually good for hockey. I really do. Well, so that brings up, to me, a great talker, guys. It's Is it better to have the Chicago Bulls that run the table and are just dominant? Or Golden State Manny, as you mentioned a second ago there? Or or a New York Islanders of their runs? Or, you know, how people love to see that? Do they really love it? Well, look at what, you what we saw. What I
4: mean? Speaking of Nashville, I mean, look at what we saw. Last year, I mean, that town absolutely came to life because of that hockey team. And Keith they, Urban, yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool to watch. And I think th- things like that. I mean, for God's sake, Charles Barkley, Nicole Kidman. was wearing a Predators jersey <laughs> at know. the Stanley Cup Finals. He uh, that, was talking hockey. That's the kind of exposure and the kind of stuff that hockey desperately
3: needs. Well, it was really good. So I, I but you know, I think the old adage of is do do you do you want teams that dominate like the Bulls did? And where everybody's trying to line up to beat them? I think it depends on Or do you want the, the parody?
1: I think it depends on the sport. I think a sport like hockey in the and the NHL in particular needs to have the Cinderella stories more so than the NBA. Does. I would just, agree with just that. Just because of the popularity between the two leagues. From a from a national standpoint, the NHL is really popular here in this state because it's Minnesota's such a huge hockey state. But I think around the country the NHL isn't quite as popular. So when you get a national predator's team to come out of nowhere, it works out good.
3: Indeed, it does. we got a great second hour coming up for you when we switch over to the ride with Patrick Royce. We're going to dip out here as we continue sports talk with Patrick Royce, Pete Wagner, in for him on 1500 ESPN.
2: 1500 ESPN presents 52 Super Stories leading up to the big game. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Here's Patrick Royce. Number four in the order for the Grade 8 Super Bowls was Super Bowl 47. Baltimore 34, San Francisco 31, played on February 13th, 2013, and the 10th Super Bowl played in New Orleans, which, by the way, I've always insisted should be the permanent home for this game, with the food, drink, partying, and venial sins that take place in that wonderful city. San Francisco had won five Super Bowls and played in 10 NFC title games in the 80s and 90s, then hit the skids starting in 2003. Jim Harbaugh was hired away from Stanford for 2010, and the 49ers had a quick turnaround going 13-3 before losing to the Giants in the 2011 NFC title game. They were 11-4-1 in 2012, first with Alex Smith as quarterback, then second-year backup Colin Kaepernick took over when Smith was injured. Smith was healthy for the playoffs, but Harbaugh stuck with Kaepernick, and he led them to a 45-31 victory over Green Bay with 181 yards rushing, and then back from a 17-0 deficit, versus Atlanta in the NFC title game. Baltimore was a number four seed and beat Indianapolis, Denver and stifled New England and Tom Brady 28-13 in the AFC title game in Foxborough. John Harbaugh was in his fifth season as a Ravens coach, making it brother versus brother in the Super Bowl. The 49ers were four and a half point favorites, but Baltimore took it to them for a 21-6 halftime lead. Then the Ravens' Jacoby Jones opened the second half with a 108-yard kickoff return, the longest play in Super Bowl history and the old bets were being written for Sam. Francisco. chances is past the 50 and a kickoff return, 109 yards and a touchdown, an all-time record. Soon thereafter, the power failed in the Superdome and the game was delayed for 34 minutes. The lights on the 49ers' side of the Superdome are out. There were a couple of punts, and then Kaepernick and the 49ers exploded for 17 points before the end of the third quarter. After a Baltimore field goal, Randy Moss had a 32-yard reception, and then Kaepernick went 15 yards for a touchdown to make it 31-29 Ravens. And every football fan in the country was amazed how the blowout had turned into a shootout. The Ravens kicked another field goal, then had to stop San Francisco after it reached first and goal at the seven. Spiral pass in the back of the end zone. incomplete. It was going for three. Baltimore has held... Joe Flacco was the MVP, throwing for 287 yards and three touchdowns. And many of us watching that night were saying, if I had a chance to take one young quarterback in the NFL right now, it would be Kaepernick. 52 Super Stories continues next week. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And for more details on Super Bowl 52 coming to the Twin Cities in 2018, sign up for the host committee email at mnsuperbowl.com.